Hi, welcome to my channel. My name is Lisa Allistway, and on this channel, you will find a variety of inspirational and informational videos you can use and apply to your life. My guest today is Jennifer Alpard, who is a physician assistant at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. Jennifer is also a kidney donor and will be sharing her experience and story with us today. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Yes. So let's just jump right into it. Why did you donate your kidney? Well, it all goes back about um, 18 years ago. My son received a liver transplant when he was one and he'll be 19 next month. And I've always wanted to pay it forward. Oh, amazing. Your son is doing good today. He's doing great. Fantastic. Okay. So for those of us that are not familiar with the whole donation process, can you walk us through what that looks like? Um, for kidney donors? Sure. Kidney donors. Okay. Well, kidney donors, um, you can, we all have two kidneys, so you can share your spare, which is what I did. And um, it requires um, lots of workup in the hospital. It starts with um, a very detailed history, and then you're brought in for blood work and your analysis. And there are many different things, including blood type that have to match in order to be a match for the person. So the workup initially was, um, blood work and urine to find out that in fact, I was a hundred percent match for the person that I chose to donate to. And once I was a match, I went through several full days at the hospital with complete workup, including kidney scans and CAT scans and uh, stress tests, all kinds of things all day. They worked so, me up and down. Can I stop um, you right healthy. there? Yeah. Awesome. So go, <laughs> starting with the match process, because I know that is key. Not You can't just accept and receive any kidney. And you mentioned that you had to have a matching blood test. Is that correct? Correct. So initially you have to match blood type. Um, blood for type. my son with liver, the only thing you have to match is blood type. With kidneys, there are several other markers that have to match as well. Okay. So did you know the person that you were going to be donating to? Did you meet them ahead of time or is it all anonymous or how does that go initially? So, um, I did not know her. She came on my radio station that I listened to every day, 94, five, the buzz, the Rod Ryan show. And on Fridays they have what's called open phone Friday and anybody can call in and talk about anything. And I was driving to work and I heard this girl call in and said, I'm calling about share your spare. And they said, what's that? And she said, well, everybody has a spare kidney and I need one and I'm O positive of blood. And, um, she left the phone number to the transplant coordinator. And before I got to work, I had already talked to the transplant coordinator and, um, set up a meeting with her and it was completely random that I was a hundred percent match for this person. Oh, that's amazing. So she was, um, was she on kidney dialysis? How old was she? What, what was yes. her story? Um, 34 years old, a diabetic who had been on dialysis close to a year and she had to go three days a week 
four hours per day. Yep. And, um, and it's very hard to find a kidney waiting on the list for a deceased donor really takes a long time. And unless a kidney is directed to you, then it's a long, long waiting process. I bet she was in shock that a stranger out of the blue answered the call. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, as soon as I hung up the phone with the transplant coordinator, I stalked her on Facebook and I went into messenger and sent her a message. And I said, I just want you to know I'm getting worked up to be a donor. And we communicated this, the workup was a long time. It was, um, about three months. Um, so I let her know that I was being worked up and we communicated just through text messaging through the messenger app, but we never saw each other. We never talked to each other. When I found out that I was a match, I didn't want to tell her in case I wasn't approved. There's an entire approval process. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while she would check in, how are you doing? How's the testing going? And I would just tell her it's, you know, it's going well, there's more testing involved. There were several days. And the day that I got the call that said, you've been approved by the board. I then asked each one of my family members individually, you know, I need to know how you feel about this. They knew what I was doing. The only people that knew what I was doing were my mom, my husband, and my two kids. Oh, can, can I stop you real quick before we jump forward yes. a little bit? On the match yes. process, Yes. if you're going to donate, you can donate anonymously or you can donate with, I want that person to get the kidney, right? You can, you can select yes. either or, correct? That's correct. So if I did not match her, yeah. there is a swap program. So I could say, I want her to get a kidney And then there's a swap that happens where they would find somebody that matched me and say, this person was donating to their husband. And then she didn't match her husband, but maybe she matched my person and they would do a swap. Wow. So you, what an advantage for her to just be in connection and that you made that connection because you kind of brought her up the list, I would imagine. Right. Well, all the way to the top because she was, if I was going to give a kidney, then she was getting one and she was getting one. And so the match process took how long months, weeks? Um, do you mean for her? Like how long was she on Um, the list for you to go through the matching process? How long did that take you? So, um, she went on the air in January asking for it and it was, um, March, when I found out that everything went through, not only was I a match, but I was approved through the board and, um, was healthy enough to donate a kidney. Okay. Wow. That's incredible. All right. So you find out you've gone through the matching process. You guys are a match, which is, you know, just Crazy. serendipitous. Yeah. It's serendipitous yeah. and just, Wow. So the next step is obviously your family knew that you were doing this, but you also want right. the education toward the family and make sure that they're good. Cause you have kids, correct? Yes. My kids are both teenagers. Um, but it was really my mom. She's funny. She's 81 and she's just 
awesome. But when I first told her, she goes, oh my God, can't you wait till I die? Uh. <laughs> and so, so I said, I, I need to know if you support me in this. And she said, if this is something you want to do, you know, I'll support you in it. And my husband said the fact that what Cade went through and Cade was lucky enough to get a liver. He said, hundred percent, I support you. And my kids were like, wow, that's cool. Sure. Go for it. So wow. that was all I needed was for them. Okay. So let's yeah. talk about the, about your son real quick with the liver uh, yeah. donation and matching. How did that come about? Cause I'm sure that was pretty shocking as a new mom with the one-year-old, you know, yes. met with this major challenge and how did that go? Um, it was a major challenge when he was born full term, no complications. He was jaundiced. Like many kids are, they put him under the belly lights. He did not get better. And we started the workup and by six weeks of age, he was in the operating room having an open liver biopsy and was diagnosed with biliary atresia, which is um, a disease where that, first of all, they don't know what causes the disease, but the bile ducts do not form correctly. They're sclerosed. So the bile can't drain out of the liver. Mm -hmm. The only known cure is liver transplant. So he immediately, when he had the biopsy, they proceeded with a surgery called Rue and Y. And that's a surgery where they cut out the sclerosis bile ducts, the external bile ducts, and attach the intestine into the liver in hopes that the bile will drain out that way. Um, this procedure either buys you a little time, buys you a lot of time, or doesn't buy you any time, but it's the only cure, the transplant. And it bought Kate about six months. And by six months of age, he went on the transplant list. And that was a terrible, horrible process. Nerve wracking. He was in the hospital uh, 15 times over the first year of his life. And the last admission was nine weeks in one day. Um, he developed every complication in the book. He invented his own complications. He ended up in the ICU on full life support. He was in respiratory failure. Interestingly, he went into kidney failure. Um, there was actually, he was on a medication that reached a toxic level and it knocked out his kidneys and his hearing 100%. So he ended up on dialysis himself. Um, and then his hearing was completely, it was a hundred percent sensory neural hearing loss. And, um, he ended up once he was got his transplant and was better. He got a cochlear implant to hear. Oh, so amazing. when I tell you every complication, it was a very rough year. So how did he get, uh, matched for the liver transplant? And does it have to be yeah. from another like baby, like that size so liver? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it can be either from a baby or uh, some centers will take from a living donor, a lobe of your liver that oh, wow. a living donor can give. Uh, my husband matched him 
and um, at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, they don't do living donor. And so it was, it was very painful. We felt like we were watching our son die and um, he was on the list. He got very, very, very sick. And there was, there were two livers that came in. One of them went to someone else. They called us and said, we have a liver for you. We didn't understand at that time that they called more than one person in to make sure that liver gets used. He didn't get that liver. And then he proceeded to get really sick um, and was offered another liver. And then they were worried about giving it to him because maybe he had a virus and maybe he would reject. He continued to get worse and worse and um, a liver came up. And they called me, we were in the ICU and they said, we have a liver for Cade Mm. that particular morning. um, He woke up in his crib at four in the morning, they're vomiting blood. There was so much blood. Um, Our nurse who we're still in touch with today saved his life and got his blood transfusion immediately. And when I answered the phone, I said, no, you don't understand. He can't get this liver. He's too sick. If you wouldn't give it to him for possible virus. And they said, no, we, we know what's going on. And we've made him a status one, which kind of releases a lot of the rules where he goes to the very top of the list and the area from where you can receive the liver is more broad. It reaches a farther um, geographical area. And, um, it was a three-year-old little girl and it was a it was a horrible day. I mean, we were so sad for that family yet happy for him. It was, I mean, this is, I think where it all started, where I needed to pay it forward. I mean, this beautiful family gave the ultimate gift, you know, they saved his life. Yes. And did you get to meet the parents and we never, ever did. (sighs) We wrote them a letter immediately and they wrote us back and they sent us a picture of her, um, which I can send you a copy of that picture. And we wrote them, we continue to write them every year. They never ever have written back, but every year Mm -hmm. we just thank them and, you know, everybody handles it differently. True. So I don't, I don't fault them for that, but we've never met them. Yeah. So did your son's uh, kidneys, you know, come back to function? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Unbelievably they did. And um, when I started getting worked up, I said, you know, I called our hepatologist who reached out to the pediatric um, renal doctors. And I said, you know, is there any chance that Cade would ever need a kidney? Because I don't want to give one of mine if God forbid he would ever need one. And they said, well, he actually is at a slightly higher rate of need than someone else, but my husband could donate no matter what because of the swap program. So, and like I said, we don't have the same blood type. So I would probably be a swap and not match him a hundred percent. Oh, interesting. But But your husband but your husband is the same blood type as your son. Same blood type, but who knows about all of the other. And it was funny because I asked if I could get worked up to see if I would be a match for Cade. And they're like, we can't do all that, you know? 
Yeah. He yeah. doesn't need it. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so it's, that's a miraculous story. And I can see how that left an imprint on you and, yeah. um, and brought you to this place where you're at now. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to your story of you've gone through the match process. So I guess the next step is to get ready for your surgery. So you can, you tell us a little bit about what that entails and what the surgery was like. Yeah. Well, there's one step that I didn't tell you oh. and that was after I got clearance from everybody in my family. Oh, right. Yes. Um, I texted my recipient and I said, how's your day going? And she said, I'm having a bad day. Mm. And I said, can I call you? And I just immediately hit FaceTime and I said, can I make, and we'd never seen each other. And I said, can I make your day better? I said, do you want one of my kidneys? And her hand just flew oh. up to her face and she started bawling her eyes out and um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then she ended up calling me back. She said, I'm sorry. I didn't give you a proper thank you. I'm like, Oh my God, she gave <laughs> me a proper thank you. Yeah. And she said, I would love to meet you before our big date. We set our date for June 16th, um, this past June 16th, 2021. And so we did meet for lunch. Our moms both joined us. And so I met her before and, um, then it was time for the workup and it was more blood, more urine. Um, not a whole heck of a lot from mm -hmm. that I had to do other than just, they kept repeating blood work in your analysis. Yeah. So just for the audience saying, and I don't know if you want to share why she needed a kidney. Cause there's lots of reasons why people go into kidney failure or need a right. kidney. Um, do you, do you, can you share that? She was a, it is a diabetic and had oh chronic, you said that diabetic yes. yes okay chronic kidney failure okay yeah that's why she needed it yeah. so I have a family member I think you asked me her age she's thirty four thirty four yeah because I have a family member that has polycystic kidney disease okay and that's genetic and um, obviously you know she caught it later on in life and you know stage four. Uh, kidney yes. failure. So she's right at the cusp of having to go on dialysis. And there's lots of reasons why, you know, and some right. of it's out of our control. Like I said, some is just genetic, you know, you don't ask for it. And right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you went through that. So what was the next step? So then it was pre-op day and the two of us had our pre-op appointments together they repeated cat scans again. So like I said, I was scanned up and down and um, more blood. And then the next day it was, you know, of course they did a COVID test. And the next day um, we both went into the hospital and it was early morning. I went in first and they took me in, did their part, took my kidney out admitted me to the hospital for two nights, um, asked me to get up and walk around immediately. And um, then they transplanted into her. So was two nights the standard protocol or was this sped up because of COVID? No, two nights is standard for a job. Okay. As long as everything goes well, they like to keep you two nights. Okay. So you had surgery and you, so you have a scar right now, like on your abdomen. I do. So they actually did, um, it was laparoscopic and I have a tiny 
incision okay. around my belly button. I mean, tiny. I asked the surgeon, how the heck did you get that out of there? Yeah. So it was amazing, but it was a major surgery. And that was their, as an athlete, they were concerned that I would push it and do too much too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that was the big deal. Like you've got this tiny incision, you had a major surgery and you need to lay low for, they said four to six weeks, but Mm. at four weeks I started running again with permission from my surgeon. Oh, good, good. So you had your surgery. They took the kidney out. Did they put the kidney in her the same day? Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Okay. Yes. So she was all set to go in the next room. They put it in. Right. Right. And she stayed in the hospital. How long? She stayed in about 10 days. Okay. So much longer. Cause they need to watch and make sure that everything is right. You know, accepting it and so on. Right. Awesome. Okay. So you go, um, home and you go through the recovery process of four to six weeks. She, what's her recovery process as a kidney receiver? Um, very similar, although, um, she didn't do as well. Oh no. Um, she didn't accept the kidney and she was, um, she was very close in touch with me. You know, once we made the date calling me every day, talking to me, we saw each other several times. And then, um, she kind of shut down when she shared with me that, she felt guilty that she took my kidney and then it wasn't working for her. Um, okay. Back up, back up. So I know there's a, there's a a possibility. And I was going to ask you about that. What is the percentage likelihood that a rejection would happen? What did the doctors tell you before going in with that? So they don't really tell me it's completely two separate teams where one team doesn't talk to the other team because I've got, the opportunity at any time to back out. So I'm really not, um, the two teams don't communicate communicate. on that level. They don't tell me about the recipient. Of course I knew about her because we met each other. Yeah. Um, But but, I mean, just like in the research, what's the likelihood that a person would reject? So, okay. So I, I joined a support group called kidney donor athletes. Nice. And, um, they've been a lifesaver. They answered a hundred thousand questions for me. And I, you know, talked through it with them. Um, most people that are a match like that do very well and literally walk out of the hospital, they're off dialysis and they're done and everything's great. And that's kind of what I thought would happen. Yeah. Uh, What ended up happening is one of the anti-rejection drugs that she was given um, there was an adverse reaction and she developed a syndrome where the kidney like clotted off, but with a special infusion, it was supposed to have a very high chance of working again. So we kept hope that it would, um, like I said, some of the people on my kidney donor athlete group told me that some of their recipients maybe took six months before it started working. I don't, I have not given up hope. I feel like if any kidney is going to work, this kidney is going to work. Um, 
I'm staying hopeful. She, I think, is not as hopeful and has gotten quiet and is not communicating with me as much anymore. Mm. Um, I know that she is back on dialysis. Oh, man. But I told her, you know, I said, please don't feel guilty. I do not regret. I do not regret giving it to her one second. I don't mm-hmm. regret it. Mm-hmm. These are things everything I could. Yeah. These are things out of your hands, out of her hands. I mean, even right. the, the, the doctors all in good faith did what they could, but nothing is perfect in medicine, obviously. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm a little bit walking on eggshells with her. I'll reach out to her and just see how she's doing. Um, but I kind of want to give her her space and let her reach out to me. Although I'll just yeah. last Friday. Hi, happy Friday. Hope you're having a great day. Just something yeah. simple. Yeah. Well, I hope she sees this video. You know, I'm, I know yeah. she's going through a lot and this is all yeah. fresh and recent and new. I mean, this happened yes. this year and, you know, it's just a lot for any one person to, uh, to deal with. But I mean, right. you guys are both like inspiring and both, um, troopers, you know, throughout this. And that's what, you know, at the end of the day, that's what really, you know, matters in life. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, um, so you're living with one kidney. Okay. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about kind of, uh, what education did they tell you you need to do or know living with one kidney? So they told me that I needed to really stay hydrated. And honestly, that is super easy for me. I've always got my Yeti full of water. I always have. So that hasn't been a problem. Um, they told me I needed to watch my protein intake and my sodium intake. So, um, I kind of had through a fit when I found out what they wanted me to do protein wise, because as an athlete, I consume a lot of protein. Um, so I wasn't told ahead of time. I had two different dietitians ahead of time. The dietitian I met with said, you know, don't add protein. Don't, don't take protein shakes and protein bars, but go about your life eating chicken and fish and peanut butter and beans and nuts and whatever. Mm-hmm. I said, and there's, I live on <laughs> no worries. It's Houston. There's um, always background noise. Exactly. And I was like, great, that, that's fine. I don't really do protein shakes. And then in the hospital, a different dietitian came through and was like, you can only have, I forgot what number it was some ridiculous, like a small chicken breast worth of protein a day. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. That's not going to happen. So I met with the surgeon and he said, this dietitian is talking to someone who is um, maybe not as active and athletic. And he said, it is okay for you to eat protein. Your creatinine level is your baseline is going to be a little bit higher. um, And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're in kidney failure. So Mm -hmm. my diet is pretty much the same. I eat a very clean, healthy diet. Mm -hmm. Um, but quinoa is protein, right? And Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm eating protein. I don't do a lot of salt anyway. Right. Um, but it's funny in the very beginning when I would eat sushi, I would measure out my soy sauce or my ponzu and make sure I wasn't getting too much sodium. Now I'm really not because my numbers have all been 
100% normal. Do you My creatinine no, is a little elevated, but I think it's new baseline. Sticking with the diet, I just have a couple more questions. Do you have yeah. to wash your potassium? I was not actually told that I needed to watch that specifically. They checked labs and that is included and that has remained in the normal range. Okay. But I think all electrolytes are going to be important. And especially with as much as I sweat running and biking and everything, that's very important to stay hydrated and my electrolytes to stay in check on that kidney donor athlete page. I've seen people, you know, we've all gone back to, um, endurance sports, Ironman marathons. Some people are doing hundred mile runs and, you know, this is something that we all do. And one of the people, you know, occasionally you'll get someone say, I thought I was hydrating. Well, I thought I was taking Mm -hmm. my electrolytes well, but I ended up, you know, having a problem. And so it's just really having an awareness, body awareness and Mm -hmm. knowing our nutrition. But sometimes even as a two kidney person, sometimes you just can't help it and it just happens. Yes. Yes. So another thing you have to stay on top of is your levels and your numbers. So how often do you visit with your, I guess you're under the care of a kidney doctor or a nephrologist. So how often do you, what do you get checked and how often do you get checked? So right after surgery, I had labs like one week later and then one month later. And now I haven't even had them again. I think it's three months, which will be scheduled for December. Okay. And then a couple more times. And then they kind of kick me out the door and tell me to follow up with my primary care physician once a year. Okay. So your labs include like a urinalysis. Do you have to have a CAT scan on your kidneys or anything like that? No, no, it's all blood work, blood work, blood and urine. Okay. So the main kidney, um, blood is BUN, creatinine and GFR. That's what they're looking at, Mm -hmm. but they're checking all kinds of things, you Mm -hmm. know, like electrolytes and all of that also. Okay. So that's definitely, you have to keep in mind. Um, do they tell you to, um, you know, lower your risk for injury, knowing that you only have one kidney, I guess, no contact sports. They don't recommend that. So that was a big question for me. I'm a avid snow skier and that would have been a deal breaker. If they told me you can't snow ski, I would have not done it. Mm -hmm. Um, but they said really anything, but kickboxing is fine. Yeah. So you know, I probably won't play tackle football either. Right, right. That's okay. so no contact sports because, I mean, you don't want to risk that chance of injuring it. Right. Um, what else uh, as far as like education that you have to let your family know with regards to just living with one kidney? Anything with that? Not really. I mean, here I am. I donated June 16th. We are at October 28th. Mm -hmm. I feel literally 110%. I do not feel like I ever had surgery. Amazing. It, It truly is amazing. It took me several weeks to get back up to be able to run and not feel like my heart rate. That is another thing. I have to watch blood pressure. Mm. Um, because that can be elevated with one kidney. Mm. Um, but so far everything has been 
just really smooth. So you can engage in vigorous exercise? Yeah. Okay. Very good. And that is something that people don't know. One of my, I had several friends that were worried about me doing this. And one of my friends said, well, I considered doing it, but they told me I could never run a marathon again. And I was like, Oh no, 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 that's not true. Mm. We've got a whole group of over a hundred people that are doing vigorous sports. Yes. So when you donate a kidney, you automatically are put on. So if this one fails, you the one that, the one that you have, you already are on the list to receive a to receive one because you've given one. Is that correct? That's correct. I would go to the top of the list, and it would just be from a stranger, from whomever, or if your family member wanted to do it, if they're a match. Yes. Then they right. would go on the list, right? Anytime somebody donates, they get put high on the list. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Now, so if I did not know her, which, yeah. you know, I say I donated to a stranger, yeah. was a stranger, but, um, there are people that I've met through my group that literally said, Hey, I want to donate a kidney. They have no idea where it's going. They have no idea who it's going to. That's a different story altogether. That person literally gets vouchers where they can I, I don't know what it is, three or five vouchers where say in 20 years, my son needs a kidney. I have a voucher and he goes to the top of the list. I don't get that because oh. I did end up donating it directly to a person. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about your kidney donor athletes group. Who okay. are they? What do they do? And, yeah. and tell me a little bit about that. Well, that was just lucky to get hooked up with that. One of my girlfriends that I shared with what I was doing said, oh my gosh, I've got to hook you up with this girl. She's got a group called Kidney Donor Athletes. And this was um, while I was getting worked up, I joined the group and they were just an amazing support. They're athletes of all kinds. Um, it might be a rock climber. It might be an Ironman, um, maybe somebody who cycles or whatever, it, tennis player, whatever it is. And um, these are all athletes and everyone has donated or is getting worked up to donate. So it's a very good place to go for questions, for support, you know, when, um, I mean, there were so many questions right before my donation, I just started feeling in a funk. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, I wasn't scared and I wasn't going to back out, but I couldn't figure out my feelings. Well, you didn't know anybody, right? You didn't know anybody. I did actually, I actually knew a couple of people. Um, so, and I, and I reached out to them as well. There was, um, a guy on my triathlon team who, I think it has been three years ago, he needed a kidney and I told him that I would get worked up mm. and I started with the transplant coordinator, went through the whole interview, never went in for blood work and found out that his wife was hundred percent match. Oh, so okay. I was done with that. So, and I knew his wife cause she trained with us also. Okay. So I reached out to her. How are you? Are you able to go back to everything? What was it like? And then I had one other person um, that donated to her son. Mm-hmm. So I had two people that I knew personally, but um, 
just to have this broad, you post a question and you get 35 answers and, mm. you know, and they may vary. So this is a face, a Facebook group that you found just Googling, put a question. You know, my out. girlfriend, my girlfriend had met the, um, person who started the group. Okay. Um, at a triathlon and okay. for whatever reason, collected her information. Wow. And she shared it with me and I immediately got on and it was funny the day that I logged on and there's a website also. I'll link it in the description box down below when people can have access to it. I logged on to get information about it. They were taking applications for, um, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So there was a group of kidney donor athletes. And so I applied and I was like, they were like donation date. I'm like, well, not yet, (laughs) but they didn't pick me. Maybe I needed to have actually gone through with it. But maybe next like, year. Oh, man, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So is this, um, this is a international group that's online. It, yes, mm-hmm. it is. And it's grown so much just from when I joined back in March. Mm-hmm. Wow. It sounds like such an interesting group. Cause it sounds, it's a very health minded group. Cause they're already coming from an athletic that's right. uh, place. And so I think it's wonderful that you can find that support. Um, with, with all the questions that you have kind of going through the process. It's really neat. It's like an instant family. I had some people, um, reach out separately and, you know, give me their phone number. And I spoke on the phone with them and had questions answered and people you feel like you really connect with and just scrolling through the page, you see some of them have hooked up to meet and done races together. And it's just, it's such mm-hmm. a neat thing. You just feel this instant bond with these people. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. They've all gone through the same thing that you have. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. So one other question I had about kidney donation is the ages. Um, they do they put like a ranking system as far as people receiving them, like people who are younger or, you know, somebody at 40 that has kids is going to get preferential over somebody who's 80 kind of at their later end of life. Is that, is that something in place that, you know, Um, so I don't know the details on it, but based on what I know, you know, cause I lived through the recipient side of it with, as with my son being a liver recipient, So the answer is yes. I mean, they're not going to put you high on the list if, you know, if you're sick or you have comorbidities that may be, Mm. you know, and I don't know how old they go at what point it becomes more difficult. What I do know is that when someone directs a kidney to you, then it's Mm -hmm. yours. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm how old you are, you know, you have to be well enough to be able to get through the surgery and receive it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like for people, let's say, you know, they may die in a car accident and they have like, you know, donation on their card. And so you have to get those organs right away. You know, they can't just sit around. And so geographically it becomes an issue. So if you have all the money, you can fly across country and get there and get in time. But if you don't, I mean, you're kind of SOL, like on some of these. No, it do- no, no, no. It doesn't no? work that way. You, as the recipient, you're in your hospital and they will, the um, doctor, the surgeons who are retrieving the organs mm-hmm. will fly to the organs. So my son 
when he became a status one, it meant that his um, geographical location expanded, you know, beyond Texas. So okay. we don't know where they flew that day. We do know that they got on a plane and flew somewhere to harvest the liver to bring mm-hmm. back to Houston. Okay. We don't, they don't tell us. We don't know where they went. But the Uh recipient, it doesn't matter. The recipient, no amount of money is going to help you here. Okay. Yeah. yeah, You're not buying your organ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hell no. (laughs) So let's uh, just kind of conclude we're here at the end. Do you have anything else that's pertinent to this topic that you would like to share with, uh, you know, organ donation or uh, receiving or giving? I mean, what I would like to say that I probably should have mentioned earlier is when my son was in the hospital and um, we had no control and needed to have control over something, we started a foundation specifically for pediatric liver disease and um, supporting the research. Like I said, his disease was the only cure is transplant. So we started our foundation and um, not only is it to support the research, but also organ donor awareness has always been a really big part of our foundation. In 2008, we became an official Houston Marathon charity. So since 2008, I have run either the half or the full marathon in Houston every single year. And that's our main fundraising. So it's neat that I can now tie in the awareness of kidney donation with the KDAR Alpard Foundation for Pediatric Liver Disease. Oh, fantastic. Do you have a website? I'll, I'll make sure I link that down below as well. I do. Um, it's you can give it to me after. Org or .com or something. I'll send that to you. Okay. And I'll definitely yeah. link that. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate you sharing your story. I know that, you know, if this just helps one person, our job exactly. is done, you know, just to inspire right. and at the very least inform. Cause a lot of times people don't know and don't have all the information and are maybe just you know, scared to even maybe give up one kidney and what's it like to live with one kidney. And, but you're a walking example, a warrior that, that has done it and has shown that you can still continue a healthy life afterwards. Well, and I, and there is one more message that I want to put out there and that is, um, you know, to be a living donor is one thing and it's, it is a big deal. Um, but please, be a donor in your death, put it on your driver's license, let your family know, because you can save so many lives. Um, and at least give blood that is life-saving and so, so needed. I, Mm -hmm. I just gave blood for my first time since donating a kidney and it is in such high demand right now. So go give blood, do that. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I sure do appreciate you. you. Uh, coming on today and sharing your story was excellent. And thank you. Yes. And if you guys like this video, give it a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell to be alerted to when the next video drops. Thanks for watching.